The Athletic. Hello there. Yes, I know it's Friday and you normally get a day off from us, but Thursday night was the draw for the group stage of the new Champions League campaign. So we got together the Totally Euro crew, James Horncastle, Alvaro Romeo, Julian Lawrence, and of course, Raphael Honigstein, for a group chat to see what they made of the names coming out of the hat. Here are their thoughts. And we're on. And it's live. And it's live. <laughs> Champions League draw, everybody. The road to Istanbul or somewhere else if it gets moved again. What do you think, guys? Champions League sometimes ends in a shootout, but no one's ever quick on the draw. What did you What did you make of the process of of deciding the groups? I think Yaya Toure was loving being there because he was taking forever. Literally, even Giorgio Marchetti next to him was like, you could see, come on, come on, come on a bit quicker. And he was taking forever. And then the, the pronunciation were legendary. Well done, Yaya Toure. Well, considering <laughs> what happened last time when they managed to make a big mess of the draw, I think it went rather smoothly. But I was wondering if this is the third time that Hamid Altintop has actually drawn because for the third time you go into the Champions League season thinking that the final will be in, in Istanbul. That must surely be a record. Very possibly, Rafa. Very possibly. Uh, should we just have a quick uh, check on the headlines from the, uh, the way the 32 teams have been grouped together? A lot of attention on the fact that Bayern, Munich and Barcelona are going to be up against each other once again with the added spice of Robert Lewandowski thrown in there as well. You've got City and uh, Erling Haaland and the reunion with Borussia Dortmund. A decent draw for Spurs as well. What caught your eye, Alvaro? Has to be the group of uh, Barcelona because they are playing against Bayern. Last season, Barcelona didn't make it through the group stage. And I think that there is a lot of pressure for them because they are also playing against Inter. So, you know, it would be a disaster for Barcelona not to go through for two years straight. And I also think that the group of Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli and Rangers uh, offer some special spice. I think that uh, some of the clubs there, they're going to suffer a little bit. But yeah, the Barcelona group catches my eye straight away. It's difficult, that one. Okay, let's start though with Group A, which, as you mentioned, features Ajax, Liverpool, Rangers, and Napoli. It's a it's a tough draw for Rangers. No one wants to go there, you know, in a football sense. But uh, it is a tough draw, James Horncastle. It is. Um, I wouldn't write off Rangers when you look at how they qualified uh, for the group stages. Um, quite extraordinary, uh, particularly that tie against uh, Union Saint Gilloise, um, and their run, of course all the way to the Europa League final, where, uh, but for a Aaron Ramsey missed penalty, um, they they might have already qualified um, without needing to go through the uh, the preliminary stages. Hard to know what we're going to get from Ajax, really, because the team has been deconstructed um, and reassembled either in Munich or in Salford, um, because we might see Anthony in the last week of the transfer window go uh, and join Lisandro Martinez um, at uh, Manchester United and Derek Ten Hag. And obviously we've seen Nazarawi uh, delict uh, a couple of years removed from his time at Ajax and Gravenberg go to Munich. Um, they've started pretty well in the Eredivisie with uh, three straight wins. And then you've got Napoli, who are really exciting. The team that qualified um, for the Champions League has been broken up really over the summer with Koulibaly going to Chelsea, Insigne going to Toronto and Mertens going to Galatasaray. But the signings that they've made, really good. Um, and so I think this is probably going to be uh, the group that has some of the most attractive football, if not the most attractive football in it. 
Napoli and Liverpool were paired together in the Champions League group, what was it, three seasons ago and four seasons ago. And Liverpool, uh, not with the greatest of record against the partner pay, losing both of their fixtures at the at the San Paolo. Yeah, Klopp famously uh, lost his head, uh, I think, on his first visit to the Stadio San Paolo when he was the, the coach of Dortmund. Um, had to end up going, uh, had was sent to the stands, if I recall, and uh, had to watch the game with a, a janitor at the Stadio San Paolo. Um, so, yeah, not a happy place um, for him. Um, and, you know, it's been surprising to me that Napoli have never reached the quarterfinals of this competition. Um, you know, even though for the last decade when they've regularly qualified for it, um, they've had some good managers. You think of Rafa Benitez's pedigree in it. Um, you think of the Sarri team, which was probably the best Napoli team that they've had since they won the Scudetto last in 1990. Uh, but Spalletti, I think, could help them make that breakthrough. Um, Spalletti got Roma regularly into the Champions League quarterfinals back in uh, the tail end of the last decade. Um, and uh, it's just uh, a, a fun team that uh, can play slick, one-touch possession football, has got these long, stridey dribblers like Osimhen, like uh, Tanki and Dombele, like uh, Kavratskelia, their, their, their new Georgian winger. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Mm. Rafa, uh, what, what do you what do you think of Liverpool? We, we were talking the other night after the defeat against uh, Man United about what kind of season this is shaping up to be in Jurgen Klopp's seventh campaign at the helm of Liverpool. Are you confident that they're going to be the first team out of that group? I'd still be confident that they'd be the first team out, but they do look a little bit more vulnerable than, than usual because of that lack of energy that they have at the moment and the lack of alternatives on the bench, which then exacerbates the problem. Uh, we've seen how injuries at the back then spiralled to inflict other problems on, on other positions in in the team when Midfielders then had to play as centre-backs in that season where they only finished fourth. And if they don't get players back quickly, we could see a similar scenario, which would, I think, be problematic, especially with so many games coming in close succession. You don't even have the time to to recover. So I think if you're a Liverpool opponent in this group, you feel perhaps slightly more comfortable than you would be under normal circumstances that maybe there's you can catch them in a moment of weakness. But I still think over six games, they should they should be all right. Mm. Last year's runners-up, of course, uh, beaten in the final by Real Madrid. They'll be facing Rangers here. That's the Graham Sunis Derby. I'm sure it's already been dubbed. First time those two teams have ever faced each other in a competitive fixture. Who wants to make the call on Ajax, though? As James Horncastle was mentioning, they have uh, lost their manager, Eric Ten Hag, or the, the man who uh, won them the title last time out. Uh, but they're about to win the transfer market by cashing in huge amounts uh, for Anthony. Sebastian Haller is also uh, headed out, of course, and, and best wishes to him with his ongoing recovery. What, what, what kind of Ajax do you think it's going to be this time? Is it possible to say? No, I, th- I think it, Alfred Schroeder is, is obviously now on the bench and they lost the, their Super Cup against PSV Eindhoven in a game that was very open where they conceded five goals at, this, at the start of the season, really start. But since then, it's been three wins in, in the league and they've played some good football. It's a much younger team because the players that they brought in, like like... Concesao, for example, like Lorenzo Luca, that you know well in Italy, to replace some of the, the ones that left are very young. So they, I, th- I think there's still a lot of work to do with them to get them at the level of, of a Champions League group stage game against Liverpool, for example, against Napoli. So even if you can't underestimate them, they're still below Napoli as well as, of course, Liverpool. But they're still very, very talented, pretty much everywhere on the pitch. And if, again, collectively, they're stronger than 
than the others because that's also what they do. That's the essence of their game. Then they're always a threat. But you have to be you have to be honest and on paper, they don't look as good as Liverpool and Napoli for sure. Jules, you got Liverpool and Napoli going through from this group. Yeah, I would love Ajax. For me, this is this is a great group. And Rangers, I think, will cause a few upset and people right. will, teams will drop on there. But yeah, I've got Liverpool and Napoli. The top two for, for the rest of you, Alvaro? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for those. Uh, Liverpool and Napoli. Being Liverpool, probably a comfortable uh, number one of the group. I really think that they can do it this time. Last season, Liverpool had a group of death as well and they managed to negotiate it very well. And I do mm. believe that this season they are going to qualify first. And the second one for me is Napoli, yeah. Okay, Rafa? Definitely Liverpool. And uh, I think I might have predicted Ajax ahead of Napoli. But having okay. had a look at their, at their squad just now, um, I'm no longer so sure. I think it'd be very, very close between the two of them. All right. Two names, James? Liverpool and Napoli. There you go. All right. Group B, Atletico Madrid. They're off to a rotten start in Spain. They've got Porto. Ooh who they narrowly pipped to second place in last year's group stages. They've got Bayer Leverkusen. <coughs> Excuse me, everyone. And they've got Bruges, perennial champions in Belgium. Ooh, Bayer Leverkusen. Rafa, how bad is the start to the season they're having? Really, really bad, James. They've played four competitive games and lost all four of them. Um, not good. Nope. It's hard to understand why this has happened either, because they kept most of their big players, apart from Lucas Alario, who was sort of in and out. Um, but the likes of Florian Wirtz, who's just coming back from injury, or Musa Diaby, they're, they're all still there. And yet, uh, they're playing some really terrible football. And I think Champions League is coming at an awful time. Some people are already in, in Leverkusen making comparisons to the 2002-2003 season. That was the season after they'd reached the Champions League final and the German Cup final and finished second. And then were so bad that they nearly got relegated and actually had to for feet almost the second group stage because they needed to concentrate on staying up. I don't think it's quite as bad yet, but again, I think this is not the Leverkusen that was playing so brilliantly the second half of last season. This looks a very different side and you just hope that the usual mechanisms doesn't don't kick in and uh, the club get nervous and maybe get rid of Perado Seone um, halfway through. Um, it's die at the moment. Okay. Atletico Madrid, Alvaro, I think the biggest Champions League name in there, three-time losing finalist twice in recent years under Diego Simeone. How bad has their start to the season been? <laughs> well, uh, I have mixed feelings about them because they beat Getafe very comfortably 3-0 away from home and then they lost to Villarreal at home. So, you know, it's a... Uh, still a little bit early to say about Atletico de Madrid, but there are some things that are staging from the last season. I think that the defensive solidity that they didn't show last season is still staging, so they are still a little bit leaky. Uh, mm. Axel Witzel is playing as a, as a defender, so that tells you that they've got uh, some needs in there, so he's playing as a uh, centre-back in a three-man centre-back. And then up front, um, you know, the strikers are uh, those kind of guys who are sometimes good, but a little bit inconsistent. I'm talking about Alvaro Morata, I'm talking about Mateo Cunha, Antoine Griezmann right now. So it's difficult to predict Atletico and Madrid because last season they were a very bad uh, title defenders. And also because in the Champions League, they really suffer everywhere. Against Milan, I think that they deserve to get less points than they did. Against Porto, they only managed to qualify in the last game because a player of Porto got sent off. 
And I think that uh, this Atletico de Madrid, yes, of course, it comes as a favorite in this group, but you cannot take anything for third, third time now because at this stage, Atletico de Madrid is evolving. And I don't know what kind of evolution they are having, really. Their defense, as I said before, is not as good as it was with Simeone two or three years ago. Uh, has everyone got a chance from this group? Who, who have you got going through, James Horncastle? Well, Atletico, uh, we've seen them go out in the group stages in the past. Remember 2018 when they were in that group with uh, Roma and Chelsea. I still think they have enough um, to get through this group. Um, you know, I, I actually quite liked the partnership between Morata and João Felix um, in, at the beginning of the season. Porto are always tricky. Um, they've made some good signings. Gabriel Verón, uh, named after Juan Sebastián Verón, has come over from Palmeiras. I think for me, it's going to be Atletico and Porto. I mean, Bruges have just lost Charles de Ketelaer and I think that's that's going to be um, tricky for them. So, yeah, I'd go with Porto and Atletico. Porto and Atletico, everybody? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. I've picked well, Leverkusen yeah. just for patriotic reasons. Good for you, Rafa. Good for you. Although you have plenty of chance for success with the German sides, with there being a full five of them, uh, one of which is in Group C, which is very much the group of woof this time around. Bayern, Barcelona, Inter and Victoria Pilsen. 25 European Champions titles in that group. Uh, not sure how many of those Pilsen contributed, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Uh, so, well, let's begin with Barcelona facing Bayern, which always seems to end very, very badly for them, Rafa. Yeah, in recent years, although, you know, Barcelona will be quick to I think remind everyone that there were some huge wins for them as well along the way. And that famous uh, win in the semi-final when Messi put Boateng on his, on his backside isn't, isn't that long ago. But yeah, it's, it's probably not the draw that Barcelona wanted. I'm not sure it's the draw that Bayern wanted either because of the whole Levy complications and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a pretty decent draw because my hunch is that the Xavi revolution is still very much in its infancy and maybe not quite ready for for playing a Bayern side that look really close to their very, very best at the moment. So I think the, the Barcelona were in trouble last year. Um, I think they could be in trouble again this year in the group stage. Interesting, because Barcelona might feel, well, we, we've bought the man who's done us such damage in the past because Bayern here facing their lever, who uh, is called Lever and, and plays for a side who's Paul Levers. But the thing is, since he's departed, they've been doing even better than, than before. They're scoring goals at a greater rate than ever seen before in the Bundesliga. Rafa? They look very fluid. Uh, it is true. I think there's also a huge psychological element to this because part of sort of the, the unwritten story was that I think the team and Lewandowski, there had been a bit of an estrangement, a disenchantment over, over the last season. And I think... You take that player out and everyone's just a little bit happier. Uh, they might come to change their mind when they miss his goals in big games in the Champions League. But as of now, I think it's almost created a bit of freedom, uh, both in a, in a tactical sense, but maybe also in a, in a, a sort of a social uh, dynamic sense, how the, how the dressing room operates, how the team operates. Um, I think at times his presence was a little bit overbearing. And now it's a lot more fluid, a lot more dynamic. And yeah, it looks very good so far. And if they play as well as they did last year in the group stage where they won every single game, I think uh, Barcelona and Inter will, will come in for a pretty difficult, moment, difficult mm, time. Bar 
Barcelona, who were beaten 6-0 by Bayern across the two fixtures in the group stage last time. Uh, an, an astonishing summer for all sorts of reasons in the Catalan capital, Alvaro. They're in a better shape this time, on the field at least. Yes, they are, they are, they are. After two seasons that I will qualify as transitional, and I think that I've been very generous because Barcelona has been uh, at some point in samples, uh, both um, on the pitch and also off the pitch. I think that this is the moment. Barcelona has no excuse, really. I'm not saying that, that they have to beat Bayern, but they have to compete with Bayern. What I saw last year at Camp Nou when Bayern went there and beat them so comfortably, I think it was 3-0 away for Bayern, but Barcelona didn't even lay a glove. They just didn't compete. They were just uh, staying at the back, trying to defend, uh, because they were they had a complex against Bayern. This cannot happen again. Barcelona has no excuse. They have used all the levers, as you said, 700 million for them. They have signed all the players that they wanted to sign, and they maybe they are in in an infancy stage, as uh, Rafael said, but at the same time, they've got Lewandowski, for example. This is a very veteran striker, and he knows what he's doing. Then they've got players like Busquets, for example. You know, some veterans that they know what they are doing, and the mix with the youth is very good. I think that the best thing that you can say about Barcelona right now is that they've got plenty of options. The other day, for example, they couldn't make it in the first half against Real Sociedad. What to do? We bring out Rafinha and Fati from the bench, and that worked. So Barcelona has options right now. They don't have any excuse because they've got a terrific team. And all the pressure, in my opinion, is on Xavi. Xavi last season had excuse. He got an alibi. He could make a bad job. This season, he got all the players he wanted, and Barcelona has to go through. Okay. Will Inter stop them going through, James Horncastle? Well, Inter made a breakthrough in the Champions League last year. They got into the round of 16 for the first time in a decade. Um, and I would say that they pushed Liverpool harder than anybody else in the knockout stages um, up until the final where Liverpool lost to Real Madrid. They actually beat uh, Liverpool at Anfield and were down to 10 men for, for the, what, the final 20 minutes. Um, so really impressive from Inter. Um, everyone was expecting them to lose one of their star players this summer. That hasn't happened yet. Instead, they've got one back, which is Romelu Lukaku. Um, and there's just so much history in this group. Um, you know, a young Raphael Honigstein in Munich, I'm sure, was probably at the stadium watching Inter play Bayern in 1988 when Nicola Berti ran from inside his own half and scored. And, of course, if you go back to the glory days of Inter, the most recent glory days of... Uh, hey, of hold on a second. What was the second leg? What was the second leg? It, pay, pay no attention to that. It's okay, right? Oh, you um, forgot that bit. You forgot yes. that bit. But what I'm about to say is, of course, in 2010... Went into one treble, um, played beat uh, Barcelona in the semi-finals in quite an epic game, uh, mm. and they obviously beat Bayern Munich in the final. So a mm. uh, lot of lot of history there, um, but uh, it's 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 tricky. Um, you know, we've we've seen Conte's in to go to uh, to play against Barcelona and actually play very well um, at the Camp Nou for an hour. Lautaro scoring that early goal, um, and then them not being able to maintain the same performance levels for the final half hour. I think it's a more mature, experienced side. I think one of the things that gets overlooked into is that this group of players has been pretty much together now for four or five years. Um, they've been to a Europa League final that, as I said, got into the knockout stage of the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, they should be well prepared to face teams like uh, Barca and Bayern. OK. Bayern and Barca to go through, though, James? I think Bayern and Inter will go through. OK. Bayern and Inter. Jules? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm leaning towards Inter as well. I, hmm. I, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's going to be two great games, and I think Barcelona, like Alvaro said, have, have a lot of 
depth in their squad going forward to to change the dynamic of a game and qualify. But I like what Inter are doing. I like what Inzaghi is doing. And and I think they could just narrowly go through with, with Bayern. Rafa? Yeah, I've got Bayern and Inter as well. Bayern and Inter. And Alvaro? I'm going to go for Bayern and Barcelona, but I have wow. to say that if Barcelona drops point early in the group stage, the level of hysteria around Barcelona is going to be massive. And that doesn't help James. Okay. Group D then. We had a shout out for Conte. Second or two ago, he's back with Spurs in the competition. He's got a decent draw, one that perhaps even he might be able to qualify from here in with Eintracht <laughs> Frankfurt. <laughs> Sporting Lisbon I mean, and Marseille. Hey, Jules, first of all, tell us about Marseille under Igor Tudor. Yeah, new manager, obviously. Jorge Sampaoli had, had had enough of waiting for new signings. So he said, you know what? You can do this without me. Igor Tudor, who, let's say, um, how can we say politely? Doesn't take any gloves, that we say in English. You know, like, it's, it's pretty full on, uh, mm. which I think has been gloves a bit of off. an issue. Gloves off, exactly. It's been an issue with some players. You already had a bit of a fight with Gerson, with Amavi, with Payet, with Genduzi. So, but again, this is Marseille, so they, they're kind of used to it. But this is a very good draw for them. And they're very happy right now because it could have been far worse. Of course, Spurs are overwhelming favourite and they will top the group pretty easily. And if, if Conte doesn't qualify for, with that group, may as well give up on football and go on to, you know, netball or go-karting, whatever else he wants to do. But for Marseille, they've got a chance. Sporting and, and Frankfurt are, are teams that they can compete with, I think. It's also Alexis Sanchez going back to North London. Aspers, which is going to be pretty cool. And Ganduzi too. So, yeah, this, this, this group on paper is a Europa League group, let's be honest. But I think there's a lot of interest in it. If it's a Europa League group, it's got the Europa League champions in it. So exactly. Eintracht Frankfurt, are they the favourites, Rafa? No, I think Spurs are the favourites, even oh. with Conte in charge. But it is a group that doesn't have any... Well, <laughs> the digs against one of the greatest managers of his generation. Just, just right, his, his Champions just, League managerial record. Yourself. You always say yourself you can't yeah. do in Europe. So 12 rules. I, I don't now. say that. <laughs> you said that. Oh, my God. Okay, so he's had what? Let me just count these up. 12 plus 11, 33, uh, 44. 44 matches in the Champions League. He's won 12 of them, 12, 11 draws and 11 defeats. One time reached quarterfinals with Juventus back in 2013, that Juventus. So that was his first season. I mean, I think the serious point here is Conte obviously is so meticulous. I think he needs that extra time to prepare for games. And when the Champions League comes around, suddenly you've got two days or one day to prepare. And I think it's not enough for him. That is my theory why his teams tend to underperform so badly in, in Europa League. But even, even with that, that, he should have done a lot better. This group is very amenable. Frankfurt have made a, a pretty indifferent start. I think without Filip Kostic, who went to Juventus, they're lacking that bit of star power. They were very strong collectively, very strong defensively. But I think a little bit like, um, like Conte, but, but more damagingly so, they will suffer from having both Bundesliga and the Champions League in quick succession with a squad that isn't really built for that. So I'd be really, really happy if they qualify, but I think Spurs will, will be very comfortable in this one. OK, so Spurs to go through with Rafa? Again, for patriotic reasons, I've uh, backed my countrymen, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Alvaro, who are you calling? 
That was Marseille. Oh. I think he said Marseille. I think that I can. Re I read on his lips. Can you write Marseille. it on a piece of paper, Albert, and hold I it? I think up. he's calling the technician Marseille. because I think his microphone has gone. Mar still gone. Is Marseille the red light flashing on it because it's muted? Marseille. Mar Marseille. Is it Marseille? Yeah, Marseille. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Marseille. Alvaro. Alvaro we'll come back football. to you, James. Who it have you got? Sound like Marseille to me. He knows his football. I'm going to go for Juventus and Juventus because ultimately. Well, hang this on group a sec. is about. We're not in the Juventus. Yes, wait. This group is about yeah, Tottenham on the... No. Yes. The yes. This. You're not letting me get to the punchline, <laughs> which is Tottenham are Juventus on Thames, and Marseille are Juventus on Provence because you've ah. got ultimately right. Igor Tudor there. The whole yeah. exactly. Well, I was getting to it and said you went Juventus, Juventus. Then, I can't think of a team that are less like Juventus than Marseille. In every aspect, how are they? How are they it's, Juventus? It's, it's, pers it's personnel. Yeah, it's okay. personnel in Tudor, and then you've got the guys in recruitment, Pablo Longoria and Javier Ribalta. Yeah. They're both ex Juve guys. This is this yeah. is the point. If you if you'd let mm. me make my point, mm. it would have all been clear. And instead, are you saying, are you saying are Tudor ain't a Rolex? All right, then. Group D with uh, with <laughs> and Spurs, Spurs and Marseille. Going Marseille through. Is a is the Glen yeah. Hoddle Derby as well. So oh, Glen yeah. would be Glen Chris, would be there Chris Waddle sure, for five live. Chris Waddle Derby. What did I say? Glen Hoddle? No, Chris Waddle yeah. Derby, of course. And I'm Chris sure he would be there for five live both games. You know, when he goes to the velodrome, he, he has to go into the press box and then sat there. But if he moves to go to the loo or to go down pitch side or anything, he get he get there's so much people around him that he can't move anymore. So it's mm. they love him in Marseille still to this day. So yeah, I'm sure he'd be very happy to go back there. That's the same way they greet you, Jules, when you go to Marseille, isn't it? Not so, <laughs> not so much. I think a few of them over there know my affiliation. Guys, guys, Jules we're getting a little bit Marseille off the little life. bit off the point here. Let's just check back with Alvaro. Alvaro, Marseille, yeah, yeah, no. Marseille again, yeah. We yeah. could do one of those badly dubbed things with Alvaro speaking and Jules, yeah. you do Alvaro's voice. Yeah, go on, go on, Alvaro. I, give, I don't know. I, you, you, you get me now. Yes. You get me now. Finally, yes. it's unbelievable. I'm going for Spurs. I think that Antonio Conte this time, he's going to succeed. And okay. then Jules is right. Uh, you see? This is the time for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you should be a lip reader, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Group E, everybody. Group E. It's got Milan, it's got Chelsea, it's got our Red Bull Salzburg, and it's also got Dinamo Zagreb, who, what was it, two seasons ago, they knocked uh, Jose Mourinho's Spurs out of out of the Europa League, up against another London side here at Chelsea. But I'm guessing that most people are going to be most attracted to the meeting of Milan and Chelsea, not least because it's been a long time since we've seen these two these two kind of heavyweight sides of the continental scene up against each other. What kind of shape are they in, Milan, going into this group? Good shape, James. Um, they drew at the weekend against Atalanta, um, but going to Bergamo's difficult place. Um, and I think... Last year, they were in a group of death. Um, they, they finished bottom uh, of that group with Liverpool, Atletico and Porto. It was their first time back in the Champions League. And you could maybe see uh, in a young team that they weren't used to it. Um, but by finishing bottom and not being able together, it allowed them to focus on the league. And guess what? They won the league for the first time since 2011. And it put them in pot one. And they've got a good draw, I would say. The interesting thing is you've got Fika Yotomori, who uh, left Chelsea, became a part of that Milan Scudetto-winning side, um, going back against his old club. Uh, Olivier Giroud as well. Um, Giroud, who wasn't always fit, I suppose, in the group stages last year. Same could be said for the, the team's star goalkeeper, Mike Marnian. And at the moment, we've got all these uh, all this discussion about Rafa Leao, who was the MVP in Serie A um, last year, big part of Milan's uh, title winning. And are Chelsea going to come with a big offer um, between now and the end of the transfer window. So lots of intrigue there. But it, I think on paper, uh, you'd expect Chelsea and Milan to go through. Although I am curious to see Salzburg and curious to get Rafa's take on them because I think they've got one of the best kind of young managers in uh, in the competition. They got to the knockout stages last season um, and they've got some very good talent as you know every Red Bull club tends to have. Rafa? Well, I mean, James is absolutely right. They did sell, of course, Karim Adeyemi, but they have so much firepower still. There's Benjamin Sesko, who's got so much attention. He's going to Leipzig, but only next season. Koita is there. Junior Damu is there. They signed Fernando from Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, Brazilian centre-forward. So, yeah, they look they look good going forward. The question is, can they have um, Okafor as well? No, Okafor. Can they have the balance? I think that's where they fell a little bit short, um, not just this year, but also the year before. Um, but Yaisle is, is really up and coming. I think this is a group where Chelsea and Milan look like the huge favourites, but Milan doesn't have a lot of pedigree in recent years in this competition. And I think Chelsea have some big issues. And if you consider the fact that they still need key players to come in in key positions, and it's already the end of August and they they feel to me like very much an unfinished article. And Tuchel seems a little bit impatient and annoyed. You know, with, with the Chelsea coming on so quickly this year, much quicker than usual and in quicker succession, I think they might get caught out in a couple of games. Not enough to not qualify, but I think they'll actually struggle more than, than they should otherwise do in this group. Milan and Chelsea, though, you reckon, Rafa? Does everyone agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I will say yes. Mm. I, I'm looking forward to seeing also Benjamin Sesko, Salzburg striker. He's been playing really, really well uh, this summer. So, But yeah, I think that uh, Chelsea should be the favourite here. But 
I would be a little bit worried about uh, the goalkeeper, Eduard Mendy, because he has made a couple of mistakes lately. Uh, once in the Champions League against Karim Benzema with his feet, another one the other day against Leeds United. And one of the big keys of Chelsea has been the solidity. And if the goalkeeper doesn't ooze confidence to the defence, then it is a little bit more difficult. And Koulibaly adapting as well, I think some defensive structure over there has to be uh, reinstalled in, uh, in Chelsea. Mm. Well, they'll probably have bought a new keeper by the time the Champions League group stages get underway. It's been that kind of a transfer market uh, from uh, the side, uh, from uh, from the King's Road. It's Group F next. And we've got RB Leipzig, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk playing out of Warsaw and Celtic. Oh, that's a tough draw for Celtic. Is it not? Could have been worse. Yeah, but I, it could have been worse than, I think, Celtic have a style of football under Postecoglou, which I think uh, aligns pretty well uh, with what a team needs to do in order to get results in uh, in the Champions League. So um, I'm I'm excited to see see them. Uh, Parkhead, uh, Paradise, very tough place to go, James. When that place is rocking, no one's uh, going to want to go there, James. No, absolutely not. I mean, no one wants to go to Paradise. Um, curious, isn't it? Yeah. So true. Uh, Real Madrid, Alvaro, is this right? 30 years the Champions League's been going. Real Madrid have never failed to make it out of the group stage. Never. 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 And maybe they never will uh, because uh, they know how to do it in the Champions mm. League. For them, it's like walking in their home corridor, really. I mean, they, they know every secret, every corner. And uh, last season's Champions League is a perfect example of it. I mean, uh, when... The situation got difficult. Real Madrid was getting out the better version of them. So I am expecting Real Madrid to do very well in this group stage. I think that a player like Vinicius in this Champions League is going to keep on just doing steps forward in terms of evolution. I think that he's up there already with some of the best footballers in the world. He's not a promise anymore. And, you know, Carlo Ancelotti has been named the manager of the year uh, for last season. Karim Benzema, the best player of Champions League last season as well. I think that uh, Real Madrid uh, is equipped to be easily the, um, the first in this group, even though we have to remember that last season they had a little bit of dips in their concentration. And for mm. example, they lost against Sheriff Tiraspol at home, which is probably one of the weirdest scorelines I've ever seen. But all that said, Real Madrid, they have bought plenty of physicality with Rudiger, with Suameni, who is doing well so far. So I can expect them going through easily in this group. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Rafa, how much of a threat are Leipzig? Uh, in terms of taking the other qualifying spot? Like every German team not named Bayern, they've had a really bad start this season. Um, every German team not named Bayern in the Champions League, I should say. Uh, they've lost um, against Union Berlin at the weekend. They only drew the two games before. There's some serious imbalances in the squad, which is strange because usually their squad planning is so good, but they have very few centre-backs, only one right-back. Uh, the midfield is a bit... Um, understaffed, uh, but they have four centre-forwards. It's all a bit strange. Um, but there should be a, a good team there. I mean, you have so much individual quality. There's Nkunku there, there's uh, Soboslai, there's um, now Timo Werner has come back. David Raum, one of the best uh, young uh, left-backs in Germany, joined them. So you should think that they're actually good enough to go through here, but not the way they're playing at the moment. If they continue in this state, then they won't even make the Europa League. Wow. Wow. Uh, Sheriff, as you mentioned, Alvaro, 
giving uh, Real Madrid a real scare last year. Do you think, does anyone fancy Shakhtar's chances with the, the kind of motivations? Obviously, massive logistical issues for them playing their uh, Champions League games in Warsaw. Uh, yeah, that, that can play a part. And I tell you what, strangely, Shakhtar Donetsk has been one of these clubs that has grinded the gears of Real Madrid in the group stage. Over the last two seasons, uh, they have been able to dominate. And at Santiago Bernabeu, Shakhtar has done really, really good games. So I think that the way they played in the past, because I don't know how they are going to be now, how their form is going to be, but the way they played in the past was not suiting Real Madrid style at all because Real Madrid doesn't like not to have the ball and Shakhtar was getting the ball away from them but yes, Shakhtar unfortunately have lost a couple of players, uh, midfielders most of them and that will affect their possession game a lot. Let's quickly nominate our two qualifiers from this group and then we'll get on to the final. Two groups of teams. Who have you got James Horncastle? I've got Real Madrid and Mm -hmm. Shakhtar Donetsk. Fair enough. Interesting. Jules? Uh, Celtic and Shakhtar. No, I'm only kidding. kidding. uh, Real Madrid and Leipzig. This is a boring group anyway. I've got Real Madrid and for patriotic reasons, I'm backing that. (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, More than patriotic, surely. Uh, I'm going to be patriotic as well, uh, even though normally I'm not very much. Real Madrid to go through with uh, RB Leipzig. Okay. Group G, everybody. It's the one with Man City, Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund and Copenhagen in it. Ooh, hang on. Man City and Borussia Dortmund. Doesn't that mean that Erling Haaland's going to be going back to the club that just sold him to Man City? Yikes. Is this going to yeah. be City's year now that they bought Erling on board? I mean, it could well be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure he makes uh, makes that much of a difference. I think they were pretty good already. It's not as if, you know, oh, City were so poor and they needed something to change things. Um, it'll be different because I think they'll have less of the ball. And that's going to be, I think, really interesting to see. Um, not in this group so much, but when it gets to the latter stages, I think they'll dominate less. And um, I'm not sure the City team are built to not for not having the ball. So, of course, he'll score lots of goals, but I think he might cause a few problems further back. It'd be really fascinating. But yeah, um, great team with a, another great player to add. And uh, Dortmund having a really... Poor time at the moment. Uh, they managed to lose a the game. They were leading 2-0 with uh, one minute to go in regular time against Werder Bremen on Saturday. And some real problems in midfield where Jude Bellingham, I think, is completely left to his own devices with not enough support. I think it'd be tough for Dortmund. I think Sevilla are very solid mm. side as we've seen repeatedly. And uh, there was a fantastic game between Dortmund and Sevilla um, not last season, but the one before in the quarterfinal, uh, which was super exciting, could have gone either way. So I think it's going to be some excellent games. I think Dortmund will just squeeze through, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they don't. Okay, at, at the hands perhaps of Sevilla, Alvaro, you were you were gesturing when Rafa suggested that uh, Sevilla were a solid looking side right now. Uh, I just, I'm just a little bit reluctant with Sevilla right now. I think that their away form in 2022 has been really bad. I think that the, um, the atmosphere in the camp is not the greatest. Uh, even Lopetegui knows that probably Sevilla in a spring were looking for a new manager, but they couldn't find a new one. And I think that the one, of, one of the main reasons why Sevilla hasn't been able to be a good contender in Europe over the last two years is because they are lacking pace. Rafa uh, referred to that game against Dortmund. And 
Sevilla was better. I would say that Lopetegui even said that a double leg uh, tire has four halves. Well, we were better in three of them, but Dortmund just had Haaland, were quick, they could do counterattacks, and Sevilla couldn't just uh, be up to the challenge. And we saw that in West Ham United as well last season. Um, I think that Sevilla is lacking a lot of pace, and they've got many players that they are very similar. The physiognomy of them. Papu, Isco, Delaney, they are rather slow and I think that this is going to cost Sevilla, especially in Europe. Not in La Liga necessarily because La Liga is very tactical, but in the Champions League, if they don't manage to slow down a little bit the rhythm of the game and they didn't know how to do it against Lille, against Salzburg, against Wolfsburg uh, last campaign's Champions League, then they, they really suffer. So I'm not too sure about Sevilla, really. I'm not too sure about them. And of mm. course, they have lost uh, two centre-backs like Kunde and Diego Carlos and it's still to be seen how the new defence is going to work. Crikey. All right, then. So, Man City goes through, duh. But who goes with them, Alvaro? One name? I'm going to go with Dortmund and Sevilla winning the Europa League. Hey! Uh, James Foncastle? <laughs> yeah, I like that from Alvaro. That's good. Okay. Jules? Yeah, City and Dortmund. There you go. Rafa, for patriotic reasons, Man City. And why not Borussia Dortmund <laughs> as well? Group H, then. This is the one that we've all been waiting for. Because it's got Juventus, it's got Benfica, it's got Maccabi Haifa, woof, and it's got Paris Saint Germain. There we go. Juventus, who are also known known as the Marseille of Northern Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, Paris Saint Germain, they're not a joke this time. Jules, is this the is this the season when all that suffering is suddenly going to become worthwhile? It might be a bit. What the answer Rafa gave on Haaland sort of changing City's fate. It could be, might not be as well. I think they, certainly what we've seen so far is encouraging. But Christoph Galci doesn't know anything about the Champions League apart from watching on Canal Plus on television or maybe he watched the gold show as well. Um, but this is this is where it starts for him. So I want to see him against Allegri. I want to see how he copes with the pressure, with all the expectations. This is a good draw and they're happy with the draw and they should be because again, it could have been far worse. Uh, Benfica with the big Portuguese community in Paris. It's going to be funny. They're always fun, the games against them. Haifa is a really bad memory from 15 years ago, both on the pitch and off the pitch, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, there's the big Juve and Heldi Maria's reunion with his former teammates. So it, it, it would be good. But, and Paredes going the other way now, pretty much agreed. So it would be good, but you would expect PSG and, and Juventus to, to really top that mm. group. If if PSG look more of a serious proposition in Europe this time around, at least based on their early games, are Juve still going to be bringing the banter though, James? Can we still count on them for some giggles? <laughs> look, Juventus, oddly, since their decline over the last three years, have found it easier in the group stages. They've started to qualify with two, three games to spare under Sadi, under Pirlo, under Allegri mm. last year. And yet they still go out in draws that you'd expect them to to get out of. You think of Porto, Leon, Villarreal. I think Juventus go into this group stage uh, incomplete. The signings that they've made, high-profile ones, uh, veteran players, brittle players, you know, Pogba injured, um, already choosing not to undergo surgery so he's available for the World Cup. So will Pogba even play in the group stages of the Champions League? Federica Chiesa probably won't. Chiesa himself coming back from uh, the ACL tear that he suffered back in uh, the, the turn of the year. Um, Di Maria had this glittering debut and all of a sudden it looked like he was going to uh, 
yeah, he's not the same player as Carlos Tevez, but have that same kind of galvanizing effect on the team. He gets injured. Um, and the defense, they weren't expecting Bayern to come in with an offer for Delict and for Delict to actually say, yes, I'd like to go. Um, Bayern play really nice attacking football. Um, Juventus don't. Bayern training sessions are really intense. Juventus aren't. So they weren't in- intending to lose him. Chiellini, if, if Italy had made the World Cup, would still be a Juventus player. So the defence is, is undergoing a rebuild. And that's usually something that you can always trust with Juventus, that the defence will make them competitive in games. And so going into this, these, these, this double header against PSG with uh, Neymar, Mbappe and Messi, with Messi, who looks like he's assimilated um, playing for PSG and playing in Liga, um, with Neymar on form, it's frightening, really. Um, <laughs> I'm not particularly confident um, for, for, for Juventus. And, and likewise, with the Benfica, ordinarily you look at that and you say, yes, Juventus would get four to six points out of that. But I think with Roger Schmidt and the, the start that he's made, I mean, in qualifying for, for the group stages, they've been really impressive. They've scored lots of goals. Um, they play a kind of pressing style, which I think is the kind that unsettles Juventus. Um, so, you know, I mean, as much as Allegri's always qualified for for the knockout stage of the Champions League, I'm a, li- I'm a little bit worried. Mm. Benfica, who was surprised, caught a finalist last season, uh, pipping Barcelona to the knockout stages, then beat Ajax in the last 16. They've lost Darwin Nunez since then, of course, uh, but they have made a brilliant start under Roger Schmidt. Six games, six wins, 17 goals scored, only two conceded. Crikey. So uh, Paris Saint-Germain to go through... And who alongside them? What do you think, guys? Alvaro? I'm going to choose Juventus this time. Last season, Juve looked like they were going to suffer and they went through uh, topping Chelsea in the group. So why not to think that Juve can have a good one? PSG and Juve. PSG and Juve. Rafa? Yeah, PSG and Juve. Julian? Yeah, same. And James? PSG Benfica. Oh, PSG and Benfica. Excellent. Well, that's all eight groups. Who's going to win the big thing at the end? James? Well, you've got the World Cup in the middle. It's difficult. I mean, I'm tempted to say PSG. I've been really impressed. Um, They've actually got Sergio Ramos fit. Incredible. But the the, the big unknown, I suppose, is this World Cup. It's probably going to pit their front three against each other. Because Messi, you you could see him getting to the final with Argentina. Neymar, final with Brazil. And if they don't, then... Mbappe with France. That's going to be tiring for all three of them. What happens if one loses against the other? What's that going to do to the dynamic in the PSG dressing room? Already at the moment, my gut <laughs> at the moment, Still my gut feeling is PSG. All right. Alvaro, who's going to win? Well, I hope no one says Barcelona because uh, you all say that uh, Barcelona is not going through the group stage. So I hope that they prove you wrong. But I'm going to say this time Manchester City. They've been so close to glory so many times. Even at Santiago Bernabeu. They were just, uh, what, two minutes away from qualifying. And I think that they have signed Erling Haaland. I think that Haaland is giving them new nuances, even though Rafael may think that uh, Haaland is not helping them so much. I'm going to go for Manchester City this time. Manchester City. There you go. Rafa? I've been tipping Manchester City now for the last three years, I think, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll continue to do so because the track record is is so good. Where's your patriotism um, now? Well, maybe it's a it's a jinx, James. It's a ah, ah jinx. right. So, Man City. Okay, and Jules. 
I said Bayern to jinx them and not PSG. But uh, oh. really, the heart right, says PSG. Right. But the head says Bayern. I've been very impressed with what I saw from Bayern. And I think they okay. can be more, more consistent than PSG. I hope you get it right for once, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Magnificent. Hey, it uh, sounds like there's going to be a lot of really, really great games. A lot of them happening at the same time. Make it difficult for viewers to select which one to follow. Any advice you would give such confused uh, consumers of the Champions League this season? If there was a show where you could see every single goal, every single chance, every single red card on that evening, the Tuesday or the Wednesday, I think you should watch it. Wow. Yeah, if there was a show where you could listen to Jules say, Kareem the Dream. Kareem over the and Dream! Over again. I think there's about 600 shows where Jules says Kareem the Dream. <laughs> every single one I do. <laughs> every single week. <laughs> but this one does there's, feature some other things as well. There's only uh, one show that yep. will show you yep. the Iranian Messi. <laughs> <laughs> He's back <laughs> with He's another back. club. Serda Asmoon for Leverkusen. There you go. If that's not a reason to tune in, I don't know yeah. what it's. No, but the gold show it, people. Really... The gold show. All right. Well, we're back with the gold show on the sixth of September, and then it's going to be a run that. right through to the second of November. So the whole group stage compressed into just nine weeks. I do hope you'll be joining us for that on BT Sport on The Athletic Meantime and The Totally Football Show. We will be here every Tuesday with The Totally Football Show's European Roundup touching on Champions League matters and domestic leagues too. So uh, why not give that a listen if you're new to that. Uh, for now though, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro, to James, to Julian, to Rafa and producer Charlie behind the scenes there somewhere and to you for uh, tuning in. We'll uh, speak to you soon somewhere. And for now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.